Good morning, Elevate Church. So happy to see you today. Uh, I'm away with my family on some vacation time right now, but we're gonna have a special day. A couple weeks ago, we had a couple of our staff share, and we're gonna do that again today. It was an amazing a couple weeks ago, and so I'm really excited today because you get to hear from both of our youth pastors. And yes, we have two youth pastors and they're both amazing. And we're excited for you to hear from both of them today. I've known Pastor Marissa since she was in junior high. She got saved at our youth ministry in Fuego up in Michigan a very long time ago. And she's been with us for such a long time. She was our babysitter for Michael. Uh, when he was little, she came and interned for us in Dayton, and then she came here to Cincinnati to help us start Elevate Church. And we are just so honored and privileged to have her and to have her a part of our team. And so I know that you are gonna be so blessed to hear from her today. She is full of wisdom and grace. And I want you to get really loud and really excited for Pastor Marissa. Good morning, guys. How are you? Oh, it's such an honor to be up here with you guys this morning. I am so excited. And I know Pastor Jeff is not here right now, but he's watching online. So thank you so much for the opportunity. I am super pumped. They have given me a time limit. So I'm going to go ahead and jump right on into it because I can tend to be a rambler. So Today, we are going to be talking about expectations versus reality. And um, one of the things that I absolutely love about the internet is just some good old memes. You guys like some memes? Yeah. Okay. So we're going to go ahead and throw up the first meme. Expectation versus reality. I mean, this is truly like the, the pinnacle of this topic. Like the advertisements are always so good. And then in reality, it just looks like garbage, but it tastes so good still. Um, you can throw up the next one because this one was like my go-to. I was never allowed to eat off the ice cream truck. My mom was like always so fearful that like I was going to get like a nail or like a razor stuck in my stuff. But there was one time she let me and I was going for that SpongeBob popsicle. But go ahead and throw up the other picture because that like literally that is so terrifying. It's just so sad, really. Honestly, it's not good. But honestly, there is some good, good, um, good pictures coming up in just a second. So how many guys have ever been to the hair salon and you're like, I'm going to really like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to own this look. I found this celebrity. Throw up the celebrity picture. So this is a picture that somebody I know was aspiring to look like. Um, you know, very suave, big Zac Efron fan, I'm assuming. You can throw up the picture because in reality, that is what we got. Um, Pastor Adam and I just had like a manic month last summer. Um, it was really a sight to see. I'm so sorry for you and your children. If you guys were around, like how many guys remember the blonde hair? Yeah. Um, it won't be making a return for either one of us at all. Um, <laughs> it's just so bad. So um, it looked good. I was trying to encourage him this whole time. It just was not working. He was almost in tears. That was him calling for reassurance that he never got. Um, okay, the last one. You can go ahead and throw up the picture. 
So in seventh grade, I was, um, it was a requirement for me to take a art class, of course. I am not like an artistic person. I was actually just talking to Shay about this this morning. She was like, do you like to draw? I'm like, I mean, it's fun, but it's not good. So in seventh grade, I like was, you know, big Mary-Kate and Ashley fan. This was the picture I was trying to achieve. Um, my sister did the same, like a different picture, but when she was in seventh grade, my mom like hung it on the wall. It was like so beautiful. Everyone was like, oh, Kendra, you're amazing, you know? Um, I was excited for that same reaction, but they, I did not get that because in reality, this is what I drew. <laughs> it's so good. Um, you know, for years, I didn't know why it didn't make it to the wall. Um, and that is because you can throw up the next picture. My mom kindly told me it reminded her of the white chicks and she just couldn't support that um, fully hanging on the wall. She tried so hard to not laugh. And um, so I get it. You can toggle back and forth just for a second. Like, let's just see the comparison. That, and the, I mean, like, that's pretty good. I should have just told everyone I was going for that. It was one of my favorite movies. So anyway. Uh, yeah, so I won't be drawing for you guys anytime soon. So that, you know, there's some expectations that are set for my artistic skills that were just never met in reality. But today I want to jump in and ask you guys, what are some things that you guys are expecting from the Lord? I feel like there have been times in our lives that we all have this idea of what walking with the Lord would look like, what our relationship with Jesus should and would look like. But in reality, sometimes that looks a lot different. We agree? Yeah. All right. Let's go ahead and turn to Mark 4, 35 through 39. This is a story about Jesus um, asleep in the boat. And it says that the same day after it grew dark, Jesus said to his disciples, Let's cross over to the other side of the lake. Leaving the crowd behind, the disciples got into the boat in which Jesus was already sitting, and they took him with them. Uh, other boats sailed with them, and suddenly they were crossing a lake in a ferocious, I mean, I love that word, ferocious. Like, no one ever uses it, but I'm going to start using it in my vernacular. A ferocious storm arose <laughs> with violent winds and waves that were crashing into the boat until it was nearly swamped. But Jesus was calmly sleeping in the stern, resting on a cushion. They shook him awake and said, teacher, don't you care we're about to die? I love that. It's so dramatic. But when I think about like being in a boat and when I think about like, you know, storms, I was out on uh, Norris Lake yesterday and like a big storm just like swept in. And I mean, most boaters stayed out. It wasn't anything too crazy. We, of course, like took shelter because we're babies. And so I just think like, oh, like no one wants to be stuck in some rain and some wind. But no, like I had to put myself in the mindset of remember on Discovery Channel, the show Deadliest Catch. Does anyone remember that? It was like this really dramatic, like um, I mean, it's true because there's fishermen out there that are actually doing this. It was like a documentary series, basically. I mean, I think there's 18 seasons when I looked it up. I'm like, wow, they are really just digging their heels into this series. Um, but basically, like, the, just obviously the situations that these fishermen are in are unbelievable. Just like boats capsizing and they're just really like tossed back and forth. And I would have to imagine that they're not running away from the storm that I experienced on Lake Norris yesterday. Um, but really more of like that type of a depiction. Like these are fishermen that have been out there every single day. This is their job. And, and like they're in the presence of Jesus and are still afraid. So that tells me the storm did not look good. 
It was not a situation that they were expecting to be in, but the reality looked a whole lot different. And we're going to go ahead and go to um, Genesis 16, 1 through 4. This is the... Um, this is a story about Abraham and Ishmael versus Isaac. So we're going to go ahead and read. It says, Now Sarai, Abraham's wife, had not been able to bear children for him. She had an Egyptian servant named Hagar. So Sarai said to, uh, Sarai said to Abram, The Lord has prevented me from having children. Go and sleep with my servant. Perhaps I can have children through her. And Abram agreed in Sarai's proposal, uh, with Sarai's proposal. So Sarai... Abraham's wife took Hagar, the Egyptian servant, and gave her to Abram as a wife. Years later, they ended up getting pregnant, and that is where we end that story for a second. Because here's the thing. A few chapters back, God had promised Abraham a wife and promised Abraham a child. And in those verses back in Genesis, he said, I'm going to build my generations off of the back of your child. And so Abraham had an expectation and the Bible talks about how Sarah was 90 years old. I am nowhere near 90 and I am only 29, but I can't imagine what it's like trying to conceive or bear a child at 90 years old, which I feel like we can all agree seems pretty impossible. But Abraham was also 100 years old. So when God is like promising these things, they're like, okay, sure. You know, like, I don't, yeah. Good luck, but I don't know how, if you know how this works, but it's not, not going to happen. But nonetheless, they ended up trusting the Lord just enough to believe that God's word is true, but not believe that how God said it was going to happen was going to happen. There was an expectation that was set when God had made the promise, but there was the reality of, okay, these are the situations. I'm in the storm with Jesus. And the storm's looking really, really bleak right now. It's, it's not looking good. I'm afraid. Jesus is asleep. He looks like he doesn't care about anything that's going on. I'm also 90 years old, trying to have a child. It's not a situation that most of us would agree could ever happen. God made a promise, but there was an expectation that was made and a reality set in. And that's where we're left with these stories just ending right there for the moment. Because I feel like I relate to these people so much, especially Abraham. I feel like there's so many times that we get excited. There's a lot of times that we get words here from the church. You know, Pastor Jeff has some encouraging words. Or there's, um, you know, uh, Bill. I love Bill. <laughs> He's always got an encouraging word for one of us here. And it's, it's so exciting. Like, we get so passionate. Like, yes, Jesus, like, you're going to do something radical. Like, I can't wait to see all these promises. And and there's like an expectation set of, okay, God, like you've said this, this is good. I'm, I'm excited. Like I can feel it. You know, we get in like the presence of the, the Lord and we're in worship and we're crying. We're like, yeah, do whatever you want to do. But then comes the waiting and then comes the storms and then comes the tribulations. And those are the moments that faith is actually built on. Those are the moments that, yeah, I mean, it's easy to get excited when everything looks good. And it's easy to get excited when there's an expectation set and you're riding that emotional high. But how many of you guys know the second that the emotion wears off, it is, that's the real test. When there's all of a sudden no one around, when there's no one championing you, there's no loud worship band music in front of your face and you're like, okay, God, it's just me and you. 
Do I actually trust what your word said? Because I relate to Abraham. I, I will trust all day long. I'm excited. You want to face me with some opposition? I'll give birth at 90 years old. Great, let's do it. I'm ready to go. But months go by, days go by, weeks go by, and I'm left, they're left in a situation where it's like, you know, I don't, I don't actually know if I'm going to believe what you said. I'm going to try to make this work on my own. And that's where I find myself a lot. And I feel like a lot of us can relate to that, where we trust the Lord, but then try to take the situation into our own hands the second we don't see it working out how we want it to work out. And I could tell you guys all day long to trust the Lord. I mean, it's easy to be like, oh, just trust God, trust God. But I feel like what we don't get to the heart of sometimes is why we should trust God. Because trust is really a confidence that someone is going to provide the thing that they promised. And why I absolutely love being a youth pastor, and I know Pastor Adam would agree with me, is your kids are just not tainted enough by this world. Like they are just, there's not enough voices in their life telling them that there's a competing thing out there. Like, yeah, they might face some opposition at school. They might have some questions and stuff, but there have been moments, and I think camp this year really solidified this for me, the second that they're up here believing for something or they ask for a prayer request or there's something going on in their life and home and situations that, that we don't fully understand the magnitude of, but they're trusting us and all we do is link them up with what the word says. They believe, they hook onto their faith and then they actually see those miracles come to pass all the time because they have this like yearning. They don't have this, okay, but like actually what if? Like they really come recklessly abandoned to the idea that God is gonna do exactly what he promised to do. And to me, that's just so rewarding. It's, it's such a unique age to be over and such a unique time because I gotta be honest, like when I was in high school, it is not the same as it is today. However, the heart of it is still the same. They are still students who are just naive enough to believe that God is going to pro provide what his word said. And that's just the coolest thing. I absolutely love it. Um, but there's just this confidence that they have when, when they're in the presence of the Lord, like they can feel it, they know it. When they read the word, they take it at its word. And I just want to challenge us today to actually take God at, its wor at his word because, because just trusting God is is one thing that, that gets us to the expectation, you know? Trust sets the expectation, but it's really when we apply our faith and we dig our heels in and we're able to really experience all that God has for us. Because in the Bible, God has never failed, never failed to complete a promise. And that's the kind of faith I wanna have. That's the kind of faith that I want to be able to pour into your students, to pour into your families. I know that we can take God at its word, but I feel like a lot of us can relate to these situations where we might feel overlooked, where we might feel like, okay, God, like you're asleep over here. Like you promised we're gonna get to the other side, but you are like, are you good? And I'm over here in the storm and I am just trying to survive at your word, but you look like you're sleeping. Do you even care about me? God, you made me this promise. You gave me this word. You gave me this encouragement, but where are you? I'm 90 years old trying to have a baby. I'm standing in the gap right here with my finances. I'm standing in the gap right here with my family. I'm standing in a gap right here with all the things that I know your word promises, but I'm not seeing them come to pass. 
But I want to go ahead and read a quick story of the centurion soldier. And I think a lot of us know this story, but it's in Matthew 8, 5 through 10. And it says, when Jesus returned to Capernaum, 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 the Roman officer came and pleaded to him, Lord, my young servant lays in bed paralyzed and in terrible pain. Jesus said, I will come and heal him. But the officer said, Lord, I'm not worthy to have you in my home. Just say the word from where you are and my servant will be healed. I know this because I am under authority of my superior officers and I have the authority over my soldiers. I only need you to say go and they will go. And I only need to say come and they will come. And if I make them my slave and say, do this or do that, they will. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed and turned to the followers and said, I tell you the truth, I've never seen faith like this in all of Israel. That's a really big statement because his own, his own family, his mother, mother Mary <laughs> was in Israel, like the one who birthed him. She, what he's saying right here is there is still more faith in this man because he understands authority. And then that carries on to say, um, Jesus said to the Roman officer, go home because you believed and it has happened. And the young servant was healed within the hour. You see, there's a difference between our mindset and I, I, our Western mindset and a lot of like Eastern culture. We don't live under like prince and principalities. Like we don't understand chain of command a lot of the time. I think we like to think we do. But when it comes to authority, there's a lot of times that we don't grasp how kingdoms are set up. But God's kingdom is truly that. It's a kingdom, which means that there is a chain of command that when God says something or when someone in authority says something, it has to be done. But we, I just, I don't think we'll ever fully wrap our mind around that because it's just not the way that America set up. And honestly, even if it was, I think a lot of us would push back against authority I think that there's just like a lack of understanding and honor when it comes to authority. But this, this is exactly how the kingdom of God is set up. When Jesus promised that they were gonna get to the other side, he didn't say if we get to the other side, he said when we get to the other side, which means he's coming from a place of authority in heaven, which means he said it, it has to be done no matter what the circumstances look like. And when God said, hey, I'm going to give you a son and you're going to build generations off of him. He didn't just say that as if like, oh, maybe this will happen. He said, no, I'm going to do this. It will happen. I'm going to make it come into completion because that's the thing. The centurion soldier understands authority. And I think it's, it's truly like the heart of God for him to be able to like, help us understand like where authority really comes from. Because when I like read like, oh, just trust God. Like I'm like, why? I don't, I mean, like I could believe you all day long, but I need to know why I'm trusting in something. I, I'm a little more logical than just like, oh, I'm going to put all my eggs in this basket. How many of you guys relate to that a little bit? Like there's some, I mean, you could tell me that the sky is purple, but I'm not going to believe it. I need to see like the science behind it. Like I tend to be like a really big researcher. Um, and this, this to me is like the perfect picture of what I need to understand. When Jesus says something, when God stands right in front of us, gives us a promise in his word, I have to believe it because 
Not a single time in the Bible did he fail to provide that promise. There's not a single time that, that when authority was spoken, that Jesus wasn't able to make things come to completion. And I really think that's just it. Like if I were in the boat with Jesus, like I would like to think, you know, 2000 years later, I understand what he did. He died on the cross. He saved my sins. Like that's so great. But if I were with Jesus, just like this radical dude, like at the time, like I, there's, you know, it's, it's easy to like look back in judgment of like, why didn't you trust Jesus? Like he said it. But it, I mean, they, where they were standing there, and I think it's because they didn't understand the authority, the weight behind who he was. They didn't understand that there was a chain of command. They didn't understand, like they knew that he loved the Lord. He wanted to make things come to pass through the prophecies. He, they get all that. They didn't understand that what he said is what he meant, that they were gonna get to the other side. Because these stories clearly wrap up. Jesus stands up, rebukes the winds and the waves, they get to the other side. Jesus, or God in the story of um, Isaac versus Ishmael, they have Ishmael, but God also is able to restore and bless Ishmael, but then also give the original promise to Sarah and Abraham, because that's the thing. God never intended to promise something, make us wait, toy with us, dangle a carrot in front of our face and never make it come to pass. That's not the heart of God. The heart of God is, hey, I know the situation may look bleak and I understand that you are uncomfortable in this right now, but if I said it, this is where you need to apply your faith. This is where you need to dig your heels in because I am good. I am a good God. I'm a loving God. I'm a God who wants to bring you good things. And that's the thing, I, I just, I, I hope you guys understand like God is coming from the highest authority. He's the one that creates all the kingdoms in all the world. So if he says something, he means it and he wants the best for you and he wants the best for me and he wants us to live in that victory. So we're gonna go ahead and go over just a couple promises that the Bible gives us because we all understand that God gives us the promise of eternal life when we accept him into our heart. But he also gives us the promise of the Holy Spirit, which just one of my absolute favorite things of the Bible. When we might not have Jesus face to face with us standing in the storm, and we might not have an angel of the Lord appear to us physically, but he leaves us the Holy Spirit, which is why we're able to communicate with him and know that, that there's peace, that there's promises, that God's wanting to challenge us in the uncomfortable to dig our heels and apply our faith and watch these promises come to pass. So a couple of things. God's word um, promises peace. Philippians 4, 7 says that you will experience God's peace, which exceeds everything we can understand. His peace will guard our hearts and our mind as we live in Jesus Christ. The next one is abundant life. In John 10, 10, it says the thief's purpose, and I want you guys to really get this. I know we read it all the time, but it's only the thief's purpose to steal, kill, and destroy. That is not the heart of God. I think that gets twisted all the time. People think God is out to punish you, to make you learn a lesson. No, this is, this is what the Bible says. This is the thief's doing, to steal, kill, and destroy. But God, his purpose is to give life and life to the fullest. That, that is a promise we can hang our hats on. I love that one so much. The next one is guidance. In Isaiah 41.10, it says, do not be afraid for I am with you. Do not be discouraged for I am your God. 
I will strengthen you and help you, and I will hold you with my victorious right hand. Mm, that's so good. And the last one is rest and renewal. And in uh, Matthew eleven eighteen, it says, then Jesus said, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Those are just, a, just the tiniest, just a little nugget of all the promises that God has given us in his word. And in a few moments, Pastor Adam's gonna come up and he's going to be talking about how to apply this, how to walk this out. And you guys, it has been such an honor and such a privilege to be up here with you guys. I hope you guys are doing good. Everyone doing all right? Awesome, good. All right, well, I love you guys. Thank you so much. You guys can go ahead and turn your attention to the screen. All right, I'm so excited for you to hear from this next person, Pastor Adam. And we've known Pastor Adam since he was roughly around 18, 19 years old. He was just this little squirrely guy when he came to our church, but he has grown up and he is an amazing man of God, full of wisdom and truth. And we're so excited that he is leading our students into great victory. And we believe he's gonna lead you into victory today. Come on, get real loud, get real crazy for Pastor Adam. Good morning, Elevate Church. Oh my gosh, what an honor it is to be standing here and being with you all today. I love, he always refers to me as squirrely when I first met him and I'm like, I had no idea I was that all over the place. But when I look back and think about it, I, I really was pretty squirrely. And some of, that, some of that lives on, which makes me a great youth pastor, I, I, I would assume. Um, so I'm just, it's such an honor. Pastor Jeff and Pastor Jess are just incredible leaders and I, I have the honor and privilege of getting to uh, see a lot of that behind the scenes. And I just want to let you know, they are the same people up here at home. Like, they are no different. Like, the same people you see up here. And so it's just an honor and a privilege to get to be here with you. I believe that the Word of God is alive today. And I'm just, I'm really, I'm really excited to share. But before I get into it, I don't have any expectation versus reality examples, but I need to get a little, I need to set something straight. So Pastor Marissa and I, we dyed, we bleached our hair, but like she shows me, but I, I just want to throw this picture up of Pastor Marissa. I just need you to see like, listen, mine was bad, but like, look at the roots. Like, come on, just like, give me some, give me some grace here. I was at their house and I was just sitting, we were at their kitchen table and, and Pastor Marissa had just, fit, like, like weeks before done it. And I just go, what if I did it? And her and Olivia were like, we have the stuff, let's do it. And it was very, like manic is like a really crazy word, but it really was. We were doing it and then I did it. And like, can you somehow go back to the picture of me real quick? So like the reality, like, okay, I look like some Neapolitan ice cream. You got like vanilla, strawberry, chocolate, like, I look like a hot mess. And I just remember like going into that first junior high service and the parents are rolling up and Pastor Marissa and I are like, they're probably thinking like, who are these crackheads that we're dropping our kids off to? Like, we're just bleached bond. We're like, what's up? Hey. Oh my gosh. So thank you for letting me you know, embarrass her and then 
her embarrassed me, but we're good. We obviously wouldn't have done it if we really were that worried about what people thought. Um, but <laughs> I want to continue on, and I, I want to get into the word about what Pastor Marissa kind of set the stage for, and that is the expectation versus the reality of our faith and what God wants to do in your life and what he's spoken into your life. He's spoken that to give you a hope to give you a future. He doesn't speak things out to just dangle it in front of you and say, oh, look what I have for you. He speaks it because it's obtainable. He speaks it because he has a plan. And so I'm gonna jump in to a story from the word of God. It's from Joshua 1, 1 through 9. It says, after the death of Moses, the Lord's servant, the Lord spoke to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses's assistant. He said, Moses, my servant is dead. Therefore, the time has come for you. He's speaking to Joshua to lead these people, the Israelites, across the Jordan River and into the land I am giving them. I promise, underline that, highlight it. I promise you what I promised Moses. Wherever you set your foot, you will be on land that I have given you. From the Negev wilderness in the south to the Lebanon mountains in the north, from the Euphrates River in the east to the Mediterranean Sea in the west, including all the lands of the Hittites, no one will be able to stand against you as long as you live, for I will be with you as I was with Moses. I will not fail you nor abandon you. Man, the word, like... When I read this, I think sometimes we read the Old Testament and we think, okay, that was back then. Like God's talking directly to them. How could I not be encouraged? How could I not believe if I were Joshua? But the same God that was speaking to Joshua is the same God today. He is the same God that's speaking to you. He is the same God, the same character. He loves you and he has promises for you. Yes, we talked about he has eternal life for all of us who call upon his name. He has the Holy Spirit. He has sent the Holy Spirit to be with us. But there are a lot of other things that he has promised us while we're on this earth. And he, want to, and he wants us to live life and life to the fullest. I think we get sometimes so set on this idea that like eternity, okay, how do I, how can I rationalize? How can I, and we can't. And so God says, I'm going to speak promises. I'm going to show you that I don't just want to spend life with you forever and give you all of the amazing things of heaven and where it's going to just be perfection and just joy and joy abundantly with me. I want to show you in this life that I'm not a dead God. I'm not a God that just left a legacy and then said, see you later. He said, I am a God that wants to do life with you and I want to give you the things right now. And so God speaks a promise for what he has for Joshua and the Israelites, and that's the promised land. But what I love about the Lord is he'll never speak a promise without a plan. He'll never tell you something that he has for you without knowing exactly how he wants to get you there. And I think that's where we can get lost. But he, he tells Joshua, he says, I have this promised land. I know Moses has passed and you are taking these people there. And here's what I'm going to do for you. He says, I'm going to give you every place you set your foot. He says, no one will be able to stand against you. I will never leave you. And I will never fail you. That word from the Lord for Joshua, he's saying that to you today. This isn't just for Joshua. All of these things stand true. God at your side 
will give you every place that you set your foot. At work, your student, if you're a student at school, if you're playing a sport on your sports team, if you are going to um, something at your uh, family's mem- family member's house, wherever you go, he will give you that place to be a living example of who he is and to have favor in all these areas. And so it goes on. He says, be strong and courageous for you are the one who will lead these people to possess all the land I swore to their ancestors that I would give them. Again, be strong and courageous. Be careful to obey all the instructions that Moses gave you. Do not deviate them, turning from the right or to the left. Then you will be successful in everything you do. Who wants to be successful in everything they do? Yeah, I know I do. And, I, and, I, and he goes on to say, study this book of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night so that you will be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. He says, this is my command again for the third time. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. So, Let's break this down really quick. He says, study this book of instruction continually. So it's the Old Testament. And Moses at this time had compiled and written the first five books of the Bible, the Torah. And so we're already seeing how God is implementing this idea, this discipline that you have to be in my word. You have to account for, you have to go back and read through the promises and the things I've spoken so you don't forget because he understands that you're gonna get you're gonna get lost in the weeds of life. You're gonna get stressed out. Like something's gonna happen. Someone's gonna you're gonna lose someone expectantly. Something's your car is gonna break down. All these things are gonna happen. You're gonna go through life, and he knows that. And that's why he's compiled this book. Not one word is left out. Not, and nothing extra is added. Everything that he wants in here is in here. And everything in it is absolute truth. I want us to understand that. Everything in this book is absolute truth. And it was put in this book for a reason so that we could obtain the promises that God has spoken to us. The next thing he says is meditate on it day and night so you'll be sure to obey everything written in it. I, w- I was reading that and a, and a really funny example came to mind. So, a couple of weeks ago, Pastor Jeff's car broke down and I get a call and he's like, hey, um, so I'm at Chili's and uh, my car won't start. Can you come help me out? So I'm like, yeah, sure. So I, so I drive over and I get there and he says, let's try jumping at first. And um, I don't know about you all, but like, I'm not a big car guy. So whenever he, like Pastor Jeff, like he'll say this, like, he didn't know a whole lot about the situation. So he's looking at me like I'm the car expert. So now I'm like, oh yeah, let me just go to the manual of my car, figure out how to get your car started. Like he's so, and then he's like calling other people because I think he starts to sense that I have no idea what I'm doing. But like we open up his hood, we open up my hood and who knows, can you throw up that picture? I open up my hood and I'm like, all right, yep. I know exactly what this is. I see what we've got here. Um, yep, right, that's the battery right there. And uh, that's the engine, yep. It's coolant and some spark plugs are somewhere around, yeah, somewhere. So I open this up, I have my jumper cables, and who knows, like, when you go to jump a car, it's like positive, negative, positive, negative. 
I get stressed out every time. I'm like, I'm gonna, something's gonna explode because they're so, they scare you. They're like, you have to do it in this order. You know, like there's a pause, like, so I, I had to write it down because I couldn't remember. It's like, you have to do the positive on the dead one and then the positive on the running car. And then you gotta find, then the negative on the running car and then the negative on the dead. But the whole time I'm holding them, like I'm holding like, like Thanos, I'm like shaking. I'm like, if these touch, everyone dies today. <laughs> what am I gonna do? <laughs> so I, I'm like looking at the instructions. I'm like, it's telling me what to do. And I'm like, <laughs> like clip that one on. And he's on the phone this whole time. And I'm like, okay, the positive on the dead. No, red is positive. And uh, you know, like it just is so, it's so meticulous, but at the end of the day, going out of, it, it, it is supposed to be in an order for a certain reason. And they created these to jumpstart that car. And so the way that you attach them matters so that you can bring the other car back to life. And so that's exactly when I was thinking about this, so that you can obey to, that you can be sure to obey everything written in it. I, I came back to that idea of, there are some times that, culture and media and the world is really loud and things that our human logic can, can come up with and things that seem right kind of get a little clouded with what the word of God says and the truth of what God says. And so we have to continually come back and check and say, no, 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 I don't, I don't care what the doctor says. I don't care what my parents say. I don't care what my, whoever that is says. God, what are you saying about this promise? What are you saying about this trial and how are we going to get to the other side? And the last thing he says is be strong and courageous. He says it three times, actually. And Pastor Marissa shared a couple of references where he says that in the New Testament. I just love this because it's like, okay, easier said than done. Like, be strong and courageous. But what I love about God is he never just tells us to do something and then just goes, all right, go do it. He always follows up with his end of the deal. And what does he say? He says, I will be with you wherever you go. That to me is super encouraging. It's, it's one of those moments when you have to sit and meditate on it. You have to say, okay, strong and courageous. Like, how do I get there? Do I need to like go work out more? I need to add another protein shake to my diet. Like, what is it that I need to do to be like, feel like, yeah, I'm good. Like I'm, I'm confident, I'm strong. And it's simply recognizing that since you have God with you, wherever you go, you can be strong and courageous. He's not asking for you to be it on your own. He's saying, hey, because I'm with you, like if you do the inverse of the statement, I will be with you wherever you go. So be strong and courageous. And when you read it like that, it starts to make a little more sense and it becomes a little more real. The expectation we think a lot of times is that God's like, just do this. And like, be good and just like, be strong and be that. And then we kind of stop. Then we forget that he's saying, no, no, no. I didn't create you to do this and be this on your own. I created you to be that because of me. His promises spoken to you, his promises for your life are not dependent on your goodness. It is dependent on the goodness of God. And so because he is God and because he is good, it is so. I kind of got this idea too of like, he speaks a promise and we, and we think of it as this like end goal. 
And that is just like not the case. Like we, we think, okay, I got to get that. Um, I want to get that job or I want to get that raise or I want to, I want to be married. Like for me, I, I just, I desire like one day I want to be a husband and a dad. Okay. Like, but, and then when I get there, like I'll be good. And that idea is just so limiting, so limiting to God. And I think that when we do that, we have this idea of like God, like I said at the beginning, he, he's holding this promise out in front of us. He's dangling it, but he's like, oh, nope, nope, not yet. Nope, not yet. You're, you, you messed up here. Oh, you did that. It's going to take a little longer for you to get this promise. And I believe that for so long. And when you start to believe that, it is the idea that I can make this promise happen that I, I have the control of my finances. I, I'm going to find my wife. I'm going to figure out where my kids need to go to school. I'm going to do, I'm going to do everything. I'm, and I'm going to be that. And he's like, you don't have to, you don't have to go around feeling like you have to do it in your own strength. And I, and I had this, this thought and the Lord put this on my mind that an architect doesn't draft up your like dream home, doesn't write it up and like meet with you and sit with the, the blueprint and go like, all right, here it is, go build it. <laughs> you know, like he, he, doesn't, he doesn't give you the best thing for your life and, and for your future family and say, all right, well, here's the plan. I did my part. No, no, no. He, he, he gives that off to a contractor and the contractor, he knows exactly how he's going to put it together, who he's going to use. And you know, there's going to be some days where the process is slow and you only see the foundation and maybe the walls get put up. But the, the reality is you don't have to do anything but just say yes and just say, yeah, I like that plan. Let's go forward. And you have to give the, the, the supplies. You have to provide the finances. You have to, you have to meet you have to meet with God. And I think a lot of the times we do that with God. We say, okay, God, you've got this plan. Now do it. <laughs> go, go ahead. Come on. You spoke, why would you speak it to me and not, not, not just do it for me? And when you, when you get into his word and you read that he is with you wherever you go, you realize it's less about where I'm getting and it's more about the process of how I'm going to get there. Another part of this, so let's kind of talk about the expectation versus reality. Let's talk about the story of Joshua. So he says, there's a promised land for these people and it's going to be abundant and it's going to be plentiful. It's going to be flowing with milk and honey. And I think he's, he tells Joshua with, with this promise, he goes, no one's going to be able to stand against you. And so my mind instantly goes, I think we do this where we go, okay, so nothing's going to come against him. And that's not what God said. God didn't say that we won't go through hard days. He says it'll rain on the just and the unjust. And so get it out of your mind that walking with God is just a walk in the park. Because it's not. Like, if I was up here telling you just like, be faithful, like Pastor Marissa saying, have courage, be strong, and that was it, that's not helpful to anyone. That's not helpful to you or me getting to what God wants for us. But he goes on to say that he wants to he wants to do this thing with us. He wants, to, he wants to help us through those hard times. He didn't promise no hard times. He said they wouldn't stand against them. So that means they're going to come against Joshua. He's like, people are going to come against you, but they won't be able to stand. 
And that means that he will handle everything that comes against you. He will turn every obstacle, he'll turn every bad thing, he'll turn every evil doing of the enemy to his good. And that alone is why they can't stand against him. They can't stand against the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, our creator who is doing life with us, wants to stand with you in those battles, stand with you when life gets hard and show you that because of him and because of his sovereignty and because of his authority, everything else crumbles. And so you don't have to go through and worry about how am I gonna deal with the problem, but God, how are we going to, how are you going to do this and what do you need from me? Joshua didn't ask God to just bring it to him either. And I thought that was really, really something cool. He didn't say, God, okay, the promise land, like, all right, well, like how far away is it? And like, will I be there within the hour, you know? He stayed faithful and he stayed obedient in what God was asking him to do. So what happened in between that and the promised land? A lot, but let me just go through a few. He led the Israelites through the Jordan River. He established the leaders of each tribe. He instructed them to carry the Ark of the Covenant. They defeated Jericho and they obtained the promised land. Never did God say it was just gonna be spoken promise, promised land. But all of that in between, Joshua could have said, God, but you said you... You said that I, you know, they wouldn't stand against me or well, why is this so difficult? Why am I having to go through this river and march around this city and overcome all of these things? But the Lord wants to see our faithfulness. And I think the, it's amazing that God has given us free will and the choice. He's not gonna make you say, all right, love me, worship me. You know, he says, I want, I, I want to do life with you and I want you to choose me. And so Joshua, through all these things, chose him. So let's talk about us. The expectation is God has a promise for us. And okay, bring it. We, like I said, we say maybe God bring me a wife or God bring me a husband or bring me that dream home or I really need that promotion and I need these finances. What's the reality? The reality is he has a plan and he wants to partner with us, but you have to go towards it. I think for me, I get stuck in the, for a long time, I got stuck in the rest of, well, waiting on God. Waiting on God doesn't mean not doing anything. Waiting on God means the promise isn't here yet. I cannot tangibly see my family or that home or that promotion, but I know that it's coming and I'm going to walk with God every day through every challenge, through every obstacle, the highs and the lows, and I'm going to read his word and I'm going to meditate on it so that when that promise comes, I'm a completely different person. The promise isn't always just what you're going to get, but it's who you're going to become when you get there. The, the whole goal of this isn't to arrive at this like, oh, I'm, I'm here. Oh, I'm a youth pastor now and I'm talking on stage. Yeah, I made it. That is far from the truth. It's just, it's an idea and it's a mindset that we have to shift. We have to say, okay, Lord, this obstacle's in my way between me and getting that promise. What are you gonna do? And then he'll talk to you and say, all right, I need you to do this. I want you to come over here. You are this, despite how that's making you feel. You are strong. You are courageous. And he'll get you to the other side. So really quick, um, kind of like a story that's a little bit relevant is a couple years ago, 
I, uh, the Lord was telling me that I was going to be a teacher. And so instantly I'm like, okay, I'm going to be a school teacher. I'm going to go back to school. I'm like, I'm excited. I love, I love kids. I love students. I love that energy and I love what it creates. And so I had this idea and, you know, he spoke it, of course, January of 2020. So we all know where this is going. And I was like applying to go back to school. And, and no one, I had not told a single soul about this because for once in my life, I, I was deciding I'm going to get to a point where I feel like this is happening before I share it because God is speaking this to me and not to everybody else. And I, and I don't need the opinions right now of the world. I need to just hear what the Lord's saying. So fast forward really quick. Obviously, COVID shut down the world. And I just go, oh, maybe I misheard. Who's ever done that? Like, maybe, okay, maybe I didn't hear him right. But it's not true. Fast forward to March of 2021, and I get a phone call from Pastor Jeff, and he goes, hey, can, can you talk for a second? I'm like, sure. He goes, what would you think about being our junior high youth pastor? And I was like, uh, I think I got the wrong number. <laughs> uh, who is this? But I, I, we talked for about an hour, and I'm still not even thinking about the year before. I'm not even thinking about the role or what it entails. I'm just thinking about, like, how am I going to take this on? And the hour, a couple hours go by and we talk and I'm, and I'm praying and the Lord's like, this is, this is something you need to do. And I've, I fast forward a couple months and Pastor Marissa and I get into it and I'm sitting with the Lord and he goes, remember when I spoke to you at the beginning of 2020 that you were going to be a teacher? You didn't think it would look like this, did you? You didn't think that you'd be leading junior high students at your church, did you? I just was like, no, I, I, this, is, this is amazing. And if you can throw up that picture. Whew. I'm sorry. This has been the joy of my life to get to do this. And whew, we had 50 junior high and high school students here at church for four days just pressing into the Lord and pressing into what he had for them. And I had no idea this is what it would look like. And I could have easily thrown in the towel and said, no, I don't want to do that. That's not, what, that's not what God's speaking to me. And now I couldn't imagine anything different. And I have the honor and the privilege to get to share the word of God with your students. And maybe you don't have students, but with these, with these children. And it's the greatest joy in my life. But it's a perfect example Okay, he's spoken to me that I'm going to be a father one day. And I'm like, how, okay, how can I lead this? I'm not married yet. I'm, I'm not like a united front or, and I can make up all these lies that I'm not there yet. Or I can say, okay, God, I'm going to take this task that you've given me. I'm going to take what you've entrusted me with and I'm going to lead these students the strongest that I can with the most courage, with your strength and with your guidance. Band, you can come on up. Psalm 37, 23 through 24. The Lord makes firm the steps of the one whom delights in him. Though he may stumble, he will not fall for the Lord upholds him with his hand. God knows you'll face op opposition. He says it right here. Though he may stumble, though you may fall, he will uphold you with your right hand. We have to have hope. We have to have hope and the I will be with you. 
The hope cannot be in getting that material thing on this earth. He wants you to be in a healthy family. He wants you to have the best job. He wants your students and your, your kids to have the best, be in the best school system and have the most fun on their sports team and have the best community. But at the root of all of it, he wants to just do it all with you. And he wants to be with you because he is. And he wants you to just sit with him and consult with him and talk to him. He wants you to be so excited about him being with you and who he is more than all these things that we want on earth. And those are just byproducts of, of that. So would you stand with me this morning as we close? I think worship is just such a powerful way of us saying, God, I, this isn't comfortable, comfortable for me. I don't really know what I believe. I don't really, I can't really see that promise. But it's the perfect time to just raise your hands and say, Lord, I don't have control. Be with me, God. You might be, and I believe this, a lot of you right now are in a place where something feels so dead. You're doubting that you even heard from God. You're, you're, you're making this up. You're letting the enemy get in and say, oh, that wasn't God. That was just you wanting it. You don't deserve that. And that is a lie straight from hell. Everything spoken from the mouth of God is to bring him glory. And through that, he wants you to live life and life abundantly. He wants you to be full of joy. He wants you to be full of peace. He wants you to have everything according to his will. And so we're going to go into this song. And what I love about this song is it talks about, I could search heaven above. I could search the earth below. And there is no one like you. There is not a job. There is not a promotion. There is not a car. There is not a relationship that can compare or replace God and the promises that he has for your life. And he does have them for your life. And if you feel like maybe, I don't know, I haven't heard anything, then I challenge you this morning. He is here and he is alive. And the way that he spoke to Joshua, his Holy Spirit is in this room and he wants to speak to you. So ask him, let's not wait. Just like the centurion soldier saw healing for his friend in an hour, in this hour that we've been together this morning, the Lord wants to work in your life and he wants to work in your heart. So we're gonna go into this song and I want you to just sing it from a place of you are with me and that's why I'm worshiping. And in that worship, in that meditation, in that worship, you will find that he will begin to just speak to you so clearly. You'll hear him and he'll say, thank you for coming to me. Thank you for asking me. Thank you for recognizing that I'm here with you because I am and I know it might not feel like it, but I wanna do this with you.